Welcome, guys and gals, to the Man Talk Show. I'm Connor Beaton, and today we are going to talk about the masculine archetype of Donald Trump. Now, this is something that has come up quite a bit over the last few years since uh, since he won the election. And it's been really interesting because as a guy, myself, who runs an organization all about men, when people find out that I run an organization, you know, for the betterment of men to support helping build better fathers and husbands and leaders, uh, oftentimes the conversation will often go towards, you know, that that's amazing, it's so helpful. And then people will often ask, what do you think of Donald Trump? And they'll often ask why he got into power and they'll try and understand uh, you know, why he has so many avid followers and trying to understand the sort of like psyche and nature of Donald Trump. So today I'm going to answer all those questions. Today is not about my personal opinion about Donald Trump whatsoever. My opinion is completely irrelevant in this conversation right now. And if you want to know my opinion, we can definitely have that conversation at a later time. But for today, today is going to be all about this specific archetype that Donald Trump represents, the specific masculine archetype that Donald Trump represents. So let's just dive right in. So the archetype, there are four archetypes, by the way. There are four masculine archetypes. There's the king, the lover, the magician, and the warrior. King, Lover, Magician, and Warrior. And these are from a book called King, Warrior, Magician, Lover by Robert Moore and Douglas Gillette. Now, the interesting thing about these archetypes is that each archetype, each of the four archetypes, has a a subcategory, two subcategories each, that is basically the, the shadow version of the archetype. So this is the disempowered, unhealthy, um, sort of out of control, chaotic version of the archetype. And the the one that we're specifically going to be be talking about today is we're going to be looking at the king. And we're going to be looking at the version of the king that Donald Trump is, which is the tyrant king. Now, this in the book is actually referred to as the high chair tyrant. And the high chair tyrant is basically a self-proclaimed uh, self-proclaimed king and is essentially a, an immature version, a, a not grown up version of a, a boy in a, in a man's body um, to, to, a less, to a certain degree. But if you look at, just to preface this, if you look at the majority of the unhealthy versions of the king, the warrior, the magician, the lover, all of them have an unhealthy version uh, all of them have an unhealthy version that really is is a, a, a child, a boy that is in you know adult clothes. So let's just talk about some of the actual descriptions. What makes up the tyrant king? How do you know that you're dealing with the tyrant king? So I'm just going to label and, and you know put some of these off. So uh, the tyrant king demands loyalty, but often is not loyal whatsoever. He demands loyalty but isn't loyal to anyone else other than himself. The Tyrant King will use separation as a tool. He will wield it as a tool to affirm his own power and create loyalty uh, of his subjects. So you've probably seen this quite a bit in the elections. You've probably seen this quite a bit in 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 Donald Trump's business. Um, So the Tyrant King also values opinions over facts. And the reason for this is because it reaffirms whatever he believes. And it is, is again, a means of separation. Because in opinions, the great thing about opinions is that you can have opinions that can band people together that aren't factual whatsoever. The other great thing about opinions is that when people agree to them, they will often agree to opinions in a way that will circumvent 
their moral compass, that will circumvent their values. So the tyrant king values opinions over facts or alternative facts. He values those over facts because it is another form of separation because facts, truth, is a unifying force, whereas opinions can be used to uh, push people apart. The next description is that he doesn't understand the real truth. And the real truth is that that power and influence influence actually increase the more that you share it with other people. So the tyrant king really believes that he must maintain this uh, illusion of absolute power. And he must do this because he believes that in some way power is finite. He doesn't believe that power is infinite. He doesn't believe that the more you share it, the more it empowers the people and the more it comes back to you. He actually fundamentally believes that there's only a certain amount of power and only certain people should wield that power uh, for the quote-unquote greater good of everyone else. So you'll notice in this statement in itself, it's a very uh, scarcity-ladled statement. So uh, he believes this because he has a scarcity mentality. Um, next is that the tyrant king can literally never be wrong. The tyrant king is the truest archetype of the narcissist. And we see and hear a lot of men and women being falsely labeled as narcissists today, um, but the tyrant king really is the archetype that represents the narcissist. The tyrant king will, in every way, shape, or form, deny failure. He will deny being in the wrong at all costs. He will blame everyone around him. And he's not afraid to push his family, his friends, his co-workers, people that work for him, uh, his shareholders. It doesn't matter. He's, he's willing to push everybody in front of the bus so that other people can take the blame over him because he needs to maintain, he needs to maintain this unflawed, unsullied reputation, because the reputation is what maintains this construct, this idea that power is finite and only a few should hold it. So uh, that's, that's, one of the, that's one of the pieces that is very uh, synonymous with the Trump campaign. So, so, so why do people follow this type of person? That's one of the questions that I get asked a lot. And, and how is it that, that some people look up to this type of leader? Not Donald Trump necessarily, but this archetype. Well, in, in the book, The King, the Warrior, the Magician, the Lover by Robert Moore and Douglas Gillette, they really unpack this, this archetype of the tyrant king. And like I said, they, they describe him as a high chair tyrant. And in many ways in, in the book and what they talk about within this archetype is that the, the high chair tyrant uh, never really grew up. So oftentimes we'll have grown up in a very luxurious uh, family environment and has the expectation that that uh, he should be given things in life and that life you know, should be easy, even though he has to work for it. Um, but he really has the expectation that he is like the chosen one and that he is the one who should have the power, who should have the success, who should have the money. And he doesn't care if other people don't have any of it. It doesn't matter to him if other people don't have money or power uh, or security. So in many ways, because of this idea that, that power is finite and that he should be the one to wield all the power, the archetype is really the epitome of scarcity and insecurity wrapped up in the blanket in the facade of confidence and abundance. So we've all seen and we've all heard the saying, oh, he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. And it basically means that like, here's this really fierce person who is like vicious and ferocious, but on the outside is wearing this facade or this mask 
of safety and security. But Donald Trump and the, and the character of the tyrant king are actually the reverse of that. They are the sheep in wolf's clothing. So on the outside, it's all about bravado. It is all about huge, grandiose, uh, you know, gestures and promises and always like having everything be the biggest and the best. And he's the biggest and they're the best. And, you know, these just massive, massive promises that, that are, are challenging to maintain. And the reason for that is because it's coming from a, a, a space of insecurity. It's coming from a, a space of needing to put out and push out confidence constantly on a daily basis to give the illusion of absolute strength. And this is the classic authoritarian dictator way of doing things. It is uh, a means of showcasing confidence in a flawless way, but it's an illusion. It's from a place of, of scarcity and insecurities. And this is, by the way, I wanted to give you his own words. So I pulled some words from Donald Trump's book, The Art of the Deal. And if you actually read the book, which I did, you'll find some very interesting facts. The, the Art of the Deal is actually, in essence, a playbook for how he won his presidency. Like word for word, uh, every single piece of what he talks about in The Art of the Deal is basically how he went about running his presidential campaign. So these are the words from his book. The final key, the way I promote and win, is through bravado. I play to people's fantasies. People may not always think bigger themselves, but they can still get excited about those who do. And that's why a little hyperbole never hurts. People want to believe that something is the biggest and the greatest and the most spectacular, even if it isn't. And I call that a truthful hyperbole. It's an innocent form of exaggeration. So just by the way, for definition, a hyperbole can be defined as exaggerated statements or claims not meant to be taken literally. So they're, they're not innocent exaggerations. They are literally lies. That's what, a, that's, that's what it actually is. It's, it's not meant to be taken literally. It's meant as an exaggeration, which is an embellishment, which is just a lie. And so it's interesting because what he's saying there is that he uses hyperboles and bravado to play on people's fantasies. And their fantasies come from insecurities, come from scarcity, come from lack. And that separation, that segregation, that playing on people's fears really is what can bind people together. Fear, there, there are two forces that bind people together, love and fear. And fear is equally equally as powerful as love when, when wielded uh, in a very specific way. So the followers of the tyrant really go along. This is one of the questions that I get all the time. Why do people follow Donald Trump? Why, why are they such avid followers of him? And a lot of people don't get it. But the followers of the tyrant king go along with the exaggeration because they live vicariously through him. They feed off of his power. They feed off the attention. And, and even when they know that something is factually and horrendously morally wrong, they will overlook it, not only because of his charisma, but because he gives them some form of hope and vitality and, and confidence and surety that he's making the right decision so they don't have to worry about their own morality in that moment because they have given it up to him. Now, the main tactic of the tyrant king is to create a kingdom of loyalty through separation, 
through exaggeration, through lies, through manipulation, and, and it really is appealing to so many people because it is the, it appeals to other people's egos. And it appeals to other people who feel as though they are in a victim space. They feel as though they've been forgotten. They feel as though they haven't had a voice. Nobody's been representing them. They feel as though things are changing at a rate and they are being left behind. They're being left in the dust. And so the tyrant really does this. He plays to this part of, of people within his kingdom because he knows that many of these people are really looking for their own version of a savior. They're looking for somebody to be a voice uh, and, and, and really falsely believe, they believe, the, the followers falsely believe that the tyrant really genuinely wants to help him for no other reason than to help them. Uh, you know, that they, they don't, that he doesn't benefit from it in any way. So he decisively uses this manipulation and deceptive, deceptive nature to pit people against each other in the kingdom and against one another. And, and we've seen this time and time again, uh, you know, through the Trump campaign. And so one of the interesting things that, that comes as a prerequisite, and this is one of the really important pieces, is that the followers of the tyrant king actually have to give up in in some way, shape, or form. They have to give up their own autonomy. They have to give up their own morality. They have to give up facts, and they have to give up their, really in some ways, truth for his truth, for his opinion, for his morality. And the great thing about it, why so many people love the tyrant king and want to follow the tyrant king and and put the tyrant king on a pedestal is because they don't have to do anything is because he makes all the decisions for them he makes all the calls for them he really is this embodiment of the of this entity in this archetype that never has to get it wrong that always knows what direction to take it in and that's always going to win and who doesn't want to have that who on earth doesn't have a part of them that if they could choose that, if they knew that they would never have to lose again, they'd never have to fail, they'd never have to be wrong, and they would always win. Who wouldn't want to choose that? So it's a very alluring and appealing uh, archetype. And that's why so many people have followed this archetype. So how do we deal with this? I'm going to, you know, what do we do with this? How do we make allies uh, on both sides, whether you are on the side of the Tyrant King or whether you're on the side uh, of not the Tyrant King? How do we make allies across the border? Because that's one of the ways to actually uh, you know, bring power back to the masses. It's that we start to seek understanding on both sides. And we start to seek understanding from a place of what fear is being used. And we start to tap into, not tap into that fear, but we start to understand how that fear is dictating people's choices and actions. So that is the archetype of the Tyrant King. I hope you enjoyed this uh, this mini episode today. And uh, if you have any questions, please write me, hit me up on any social media, subscribe, click the red button if you're on YouTube or click the subscribe button if you're on Google Play or iTunes. Don't forget to man it forward, share this podcast episode with one person and comment, leave me a comment and let me know what you thought about this episode uh, and what your opinion was about it. So until next time, this is Connor Beaton signing off.